Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for joining me today or tonight or whenever you listen to the show. Thank you so much. You know I appreciate it. So I recently did something amazing and something I I really want to start doing more often. I went on assignment for the Animals to the Max podcast. That is correct. I went on assignment. And of course, with the global pandemic, with everything going on, I haven't done a lot of traveling. So I was so excited to travel and do something for the show. And you guys, I am so excited today to share my experience with you. I just got back from Nebraska. Can you believe that? So right now it's spring break in the United States. And it's so funny when you think of spring break, people think of maybe South Beach in Miami. They think of maybe going to California. They think of, I don't know, just partying it up. And guess what I did, you guys? I went to central Nebraska for spring break. Okay, so some of you might be wondering, okay, that is so crazy. Why are you going to Nebraska for spring break? A lot of people, and by the way, No offense to people from Nebraska, but it's not necessarily a spring break destination. Now, I want to try to switch that around. I want to try to switch the perception because you guys, Nebraska has a lot going on. As a matter of fact, they have so much going on that they are home to one of nature's biggest and best wildlife spectacles, the Sandhill Crane Migration. It's when over 1 million Sandhill Cranes migrate from their southern homes in Mexico and Texas and migrate and stop in south central Nebraska along the Platte River. It's an 80 mile stretch where all these cranes stop and it is, you guys, it is fantastic. I mean, we've all heard of the great wildebeest migration in Africa. I know I've witnessed that firsthand and it was just, it blew my mind. But to think that we have one of the largest animal migrations right here in the middle of the United States, it's just incredible. Jane Goodall actually said it is the second greatest wildlife migration, of course, next to the wildebeest. And I'm going to be honest, I had no idea that it was in Nebraska, that it took place. And so I was so happy when they asked if I would like to come and do a podcast and try to kind of raise awareness. And you guys, so today I'm going to talk about my experience witnessing one of the last great animal migrations on earth. I'm going to give you travel tips if you decide to do this. This is something that anyone who has a wildlife bucket list, you really have to put it up there. It's something you have to experience. So I'm going to go over my experience. I'm going to go over my travel tips. Now, if you want to hear kind of more about the cranes, I encourage you, if you have not, to check out my interview with the president of the Crane Trust, Bryce Crone. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Bryce Crone. Cron, sorry, Bryce, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, from the Crane Trust. I released a special bonus podcast episode, actually. I usually only release one podcast a week, and I had such a good time. I was like, man, I have to get this content out there. So I released a bonus episode with my interview with Bryce from the Crane Trust, and that interview is episode 170. And we go into the Crane Trust, what the organization is about, and how you yourself can go visit and experience the Crane Trust. And, you know, we kind of get more into the bird. So, If you have not had a chance to listen to that, I encourage you to maybe stop this podcast and go and check out that interview with Bryce. But I just want to talk to you about my experience just going to Nebraska. You know, 
I have uh, been to Nebraska several times. We actually used to drive through Nebraska and I never even knew that one of the greatest wildlife spectacles took place in Nebraska. And I feel like it's under a lot of people's radar. And even, you know, in Nebraska, like talking to people as I was flying in, you know, I just, you know, I, of course, I'm just a chatty person, just talking with people. I was talking, you know, to the person who was checking my bag at the, uh, you know, flight attendant counter. And she asked why we were here. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're here for the great crane migration and she looked at me as if I had two heads like wait what are you talking about I'm from Nebraska I've never heard of this so I'm so happy to be able to spread awareness and you know so basically every year from Valentine's Day so mid-February to tax day that's kind of a scary day for people but mid-February to mid-April over 1 million sandhill cranes migrate to Nebraska's South Central region along the Platte River. They love the Platte River and they've been visiting this area for millions of years because the Platte River is shallow. They're able to roost in the river. They like to roost in the river. It's so crazy. When you think of birds, you think of them roosting in trees, but no, there are some birds, including cranes, that will roost in the river. So they prefer to roost in the river for safety from predators like foxes and coyotes, and they love to fuel up and eat their heart out. They can gain up to 20% of their body weight eating a variety of different animals and different types of grains. We found out they're pretty opportunistic eaters, so they love to eat worms. Apparently that's their favorite food. They love worms. They'll eat waste corn in farmer's fields. If you aren't familiar in Nebraska, you guys, it is the corn state. I mean, you go there and it's just full of cornfields. Now, I just want to say it's not all full of cornfields, but it is, uh, there's a lot of cornfields and they produce a lot of corn and there's a lot of waste corn that is not used in the fields and the cranes come and they pick it and they eat it. They're able to get all that starch. There's a lot of calories in that. They'll also eat insects, they'll eat frogs, they'll eat snakes, uh, other types of amphibians, rodents. They uh, really just gorge themselves. So they come to Nebraska to recharge and refuel. It's their optimal habitat. They love the wetlands. They love the Platte River, which is shallow. They absolutely love that. So they've been coming for millions and millions of years. Now, sadly, I mean, there used to be many great animal migrations. I mean, millions of years ago, millions of animals would be migrating. And unfortunately, just due to the increased human population, the human encroachment, habitat loss, a variety of different reasons, a lot of species are in decline and they no longer have these great migrations. This is one of the most intact migrations. And as you'll learn, if you listen to that podcast interview with Bryce, their numbers are stable. I mean, at, you know, 80% of the crane population, the Sandhill crane population comes to Nebraska, that's over a million. So they are listed as a least concerned species, which this day and age is, you don't really hear of that. So it's amazing to witness this. And what blew my mind is, you know, so many people, as I mentioned, know about the great migration in Africa, the zebra, the wildebeest, the Thompson gazelles. They just, you know, you think great migration, you automatically go to Africa. And it's crazy to think that right here, especially those of you listening in the United States, right in our backyard is one of the greatest migrations. And it's more accessible than going to Africa, especially right now. I mean, 
I'm not going to lie. I'd love to go to Africa, but with the pandemic and with just, you know, just how things are going right now, it's not really that practical. What is practical though, is going somewhere closer to home. And that would be Nebraska. So my wife and I, we jumped at the opportunity to go witness the great crane migration. Now make sure if you are planning this, make sure that you either hop in your car now because they're going to be leaving in a couple weeks in April, or make sure you plan next year and you plan between mid-February to April. I think the best times they said are the first couple weeks of March tend to be the best times to see the cranes. But honestly, we just got back. It's late March and we saw thousands of them. So I feel like March would be a really, really good month. April, you're going to kind of be at that tail end. But you'll still see some sand hill cranes. So yeah, we were so excited to jump at the opportunity. We flew into Omaha and Nebraska, and we were able to get a rental car and take off to the middle of Nebraska. And our destination for Nebraska was Kearney, Nebraska. Let me pronounce that one more time. Kearney, Nebraska. Now it's funny because I, of course, I wanted to document my whole journey so I jumped on my Instagram stories and I was like, hey, I'm, you know, Corbin and I am here in Kearney, Nebraska. By the way, it's spelled like Kearney. So you would think it's called Kearney. So I'm like, I'm in, I'm in Kearney. I'm doing this. I'm so excited. Anyway, I opened up my Instagram later and I was flooded with DMs that were like, hey, you know, so happy you're here. But by the way, it's Kearney, not Kearney. So I was like, oh man, that's embarrassing. Like no wonder I was like, people were looking at me weird when I was like, hey, I'm so excited to be in Kearney. And they're like, okay, whatever. Anyway, here's your room key to your hotel. Anyway, if you go to Kearney, Nebraska, please, 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 please say Kearney. Anyway, Kearney is it's, it's really right in the middle, like South Central Nebraska. It's right in the middle. And that is where we were able to stay. We were um, planning to visit the Roe Sanctuary. The Roe Sanctuary is one of the places where you can see the Sandhill Crane migrations. They have amazing blinds set up. Okay, so Kearney, oh my God, I just said it again. Kearney, excuse me, is around three and a half hours away from Omaha. So as we approached Kearney, about an hour outside, you could start seeing cranes in these cornfields. And you have to actually look because the cranes, they stand about four feet tall. They're kind of light gray. They have a red head. But as you're driving, you just kind of see these gray blobs in the field. And if it's raining and pouring, like, you know, what it was doing when we were visiting, you could honestly probably pass them by and not even realize that you have thousands of cranes in fields. So keep your eye out for birds. But what these cranes will do is they'll feast in these cornfields and it's a great place to see them. So as you approach Kearney, the cranes are literally just everywhere. And it's it's funny because I've passed through Kearney so many different times. The animals and I used to do educational shows in Nebraska. So, I mean, I've been on their local ABC News TV affiliate. By the way, that's where Irwin, my pet Salmon Island tree skink, he bit me through my fingernail and you could actually hear the crunch all the way up from my fingernail through my microphone. Yeah, it was my worst bite ever on TV. Actually, was it my worst bite? Hmm. Anyway, it was one of them. It hurt like heck. Anyway, that happened in Nebraska. So I'm no stranger to Nebraska and I've always passed through Kearney. And you know, when you pass through Kearney, they have this big, beautiful archway in Nebraska. And it's like this landmark. And I've always passed that landmark. There's a museum up there, but I had no idea as I was passing this archway and passing through Kearney that it is the 
crane capital of the world. And as you go into Kearney, you look around and cranes are everywhere. I mean, you just have to keep an eye out, but crane, like, you know, I mean, I shouldn't say, well, I mean, the actual birds are everywhere, but crane statues, you go into the hotel, there's pictures of cranes all along the walls, you go into a restaurant and you see, you know, crane figurines and statues, and it really just blows my mind. So, you know, six weeks out of the year, these cranes come and it really helps keep this town alive. We actually talked to someone from the tourism bureau and they said in a six weeks amount of time, the cranes bring in around $13 million to the local economy. Let me say that one more time. $13 million from these Sandhill cranes. People from around the world come to witness this wildlife spectacle. Now, I just want to say that the tourism industry has just completely been hit. Just like everyone due to the pandemic, tourists, of course, did not flock there last year. Uh, a lot of people were prevented from traveling, of course, due to the coronavirus. And then the year prior, they had awful flooding, which flooded out the river, uh, preventing the cranes from actually landing near the blinds. It just was a complete disaster. The rains just prevented a lot of that tourism. So they've been hit really hard. Like two years in a row, you have floods, then you have the coronavirus. So these people in the town of Kearney, they are like excited and ready for people to come view the cranes. So when you go there, it is, it was, it was really, really exciting to, um, to be a part of that. And, you know, we arrived in Kearney in the evening. We went, I just want to say this, my wife and I, we went to the best local restaurant. I have to give this restaurant a shout out. It's called the Alley Rose and it is in Old Town, Kearney, Nebraska. Like you literally go to their Old Town area. They have cobblestone roads that were placed back in the 1800s. You go into the Alley Rose and the building was built in the early 1800s. And there's such an amazing atmosphere to it. This, I mean, we sat in the bar area because that was where everyone was. Like the, the dining area was completely empty. So we sat kind of in the bar area. So they had like a old town, western saloon feel, but like homey yet classy. It just, it was awesome. I absolutely loved it. And I have to say something. I tried something I've never had before. And that was corn chowder. You guys, if you go to Nebraska, please try their corn chowder. It is so good. And I just, I, I was a little kind of skeptical. I'm kind of a picky eater. And I was like, oh man, I don't know what this is going to be like, but I like corn. I'm not a huge fan of chowder. Like I don't like clam chowder. I'm good. I don't eat, I don't eat anything from the sea, but I was excited to try this corn chowder and it was great. I had a couple helpings of the corn chowder, so I would recommend that, but the alley rose was great. And we actually talked to our waitress. Her name was Jocelyn and she was so happy to hear that we were here for the cranes. And she said that they just bring so many people here from all around the world who come and see them. And you could tell that she was so grateful for us to be there. And it made, it made me feel great uh, to be able to, you know, obviously be there, but to be able to see that the locals are just as excited as the tourists about the cranes and what the cranes bring. And this has been happening for so many years. So it just, it was really, really nice uh, hometown atmosphere. 
would highly recommend that once again. And, and by the way, this is not a paid sponsorship by the Alley Rose. I just had literally such a good time at the Alley Rose. So definitely go check that out. And that is in Kearney. I will put the links in the show notes if you do want to check out the Alley Rose. So we had dinner. It was a great dinner. And we went to bed, uh, I mean, as early as we could. I think that was about midnight uh, after we unpacked because we wanted to prepare for the early morning. So when you go to see the cranes, you need to be prepared for early mornings. I think our guide picked us up at 5.30 in the morning. We had to be ready to go. So of course you need to make sure you have coffee. I, uh, you guys, I mean, I'm a huge coffee king. So make sure you have coffee, of course, to heat you up, keep you awake, but it's cold out there, especially in March. So you need to make sure you bring your thermals. I had my insulated jeans on, my beanie, my gloves, hand warmers, uh, I packed in layers. I have my waterproof boots. People think spring break, they think March, but it is cold. So make sure you do that. The winds were high that day. And even though I think it said it was like in the fifties that day, it was still freezing, especially when you go out to view the birds in the morning. So let's talk about this. So we get in the vehicle and we are joined with another writer, actually, since we were part, since we were put in the media group, this other guy's name was Jared. He's a super cool dude. He was writing for Forbes magazine. And I'm just like, wow, that's really cool. Anyway, it's kind of crazy. These people you meet, but uh, we were with uh, Jared and our guides, Roger and our guides, Patty. They're both passionate people about the cranes. They lived right in Kearney. And, you know, immediately as you get the car, they just started talking about the crane what to expect. Patty was super passionate about the cranes and of the utmost importance to her was to make sure you do not disturb them. And and that's, that's a really big thing. When you do go to these wildlife areas, you are going into their habitat. You're going into their homes. So it was like, I mean, Patty was nice, but she was like straight to the point, no whole barriers type of a gal and said, why are we here? We're here for the cranes. The number one concern, do not disturb the cranes. So Patty was super nice, but I mean, my God, I just, I mean, she was very, very passionate about these cranes. And I really appreciate that because I feel like, you know, when people are visiting the cranes, I feel like you, you, people need to be aware, like you need to be respectful and you do not want to disturb them. And one of the questions she asked, I mean, she was like, pop quiz time. And I was thinking like, my God, Patty, it's like 530 in the morning, but okay. Uh, she was like, why do you not want to disturb the cranes? And, you know, it was simple. I was like, well, you don't want them to take off from the roost in the river because that, of course, uses up energy and they're here to you know, refuel and to rest in Nebraska. And she said, yeah, correct. And in the back of my mind, I was like, thank God I'm correct. I don't want Patty to yell at me. Anyway, so it was just of utmost importance. We arrived to the Roe Sanctuary, and the Roe Sanctuary is a great place where you can go and see the Sandhill Cranes. They have blinds set up. Now, I do want to say you need to make an appointment, and you need to schedule that. They do limit groups, of course, due to the pandemic, so make sure you schedule that. I will include the links in the show notes, but the Roe Sanctuary is where we went, and it is in complete darkness. And so when you arrive, it's it's pitch black. They have someone who opens this little gate for you to get into the sanctuary. And the only lights you can use are these infrared lights that do not disturb the cranes. But even that, they 
tell you to hold these lights like next to the ground as you're walking along the crane truss because they just do not want to disturb them. I was kind of shocked at how wary the cranes were. They are very skittish and it was different from other encounters I've had with wildlife. Like, you know, we, we did Yellowstone back in the fall and a lot of the, you know, animals are used to, you know, vehicles, especially the bison. Um, you know, I've, I've been to Africa, been fortunate enough to see the Great Migration and a lot of those animals are just habituated to vehicles or habituated to humans. The cranes are not comfortable around humans. And I was kind of puzzled. I was like, I wonder why these cranes are so skittish. Well, it turns out that nine months out of the year, these cranes are hunted. Oh, anyway, I, I had, I, I guess I wasn't aware that people took up the sport of shooting cranes, but it is a thing. And Nebraska is, I think the only state or one of the few states that does not allow hunting. So nine months out of the year they are hunted in places like texas and places like kansas oklahoma and canada alaska siberia i believe that these animals are hunted so that's why they're skittish around people so honestly i don't blame the cranes i mean i wouldn't want to be around us either so you have to be super quiet that's what i'm getting at by the way um, there are a million cranes i mean actually there's well over a million cranes their population is stable but can i just say something why would anyone kill a crane they're just like so majestic they mate for life they you know we learn from patty they mourn the death of their mate if one of them is shot and the problem is is like let's say if one of their mates is shot then the other will come down and mourn their mate and then in turn they'll get shot it's super sad so i don't condone hunting cranes i don't even care i mean i know some of my biologist friends will say well it's you know they you, they could be properly managed and there is a good number of them and you know people do eat them and i whatever i i guess i could kind of see that Actually, I, I take that back. I don't see any of that. I don't know why you would kill a crane. Stop killing cranes, people. Anyways, look at me just going on a tangent. So the cranes are super, super, super skittish. We arrived to the Rose Sanctuary. Make sure you wear your hiking boots. And it's not that we were hiking up mountains, but we're, you know, going through the wetlands and, you know, it's wet. There's mud. Just make sure you are prepared. We then proceeded to walk to the blinds. It is pitch black. You do notice though that around you you can just hear the cranes i mean you can't see them but you can just hear them and they're so loud and it almost like i, I i'm actually i'm gonna put some audio check out this audio of the cranes it's incredible <laughs> Isn't that audio incredible? Like just, it just, the, it's like the night sky just comes alive. It honestly reminded me a little bit like a football stadium full of people. It just, it just absolutely blew my mind. So you're walking in the middle of the dark. We're following Patty through the Rose Sanctuary. And, you know, we have little red light beams on the ground, you know, trying to follow this trail so we don't fall. So we know where we're going. It kind of, I know this sounds ridiculous. It reminded me of going through like, like, have you guys ever been through like a haunted uh, cornfield or like a haunted world type situation? It reminded me of that. Not that there were spooky things jumping out at you, but it was just like pitch black. You had all these eerie sounds around you. That's what it was. It was truly wild. So we finally arrive to our blind 
The blind is great. You walk in and they have a heated room where you're able to collect your equipment. You're able to kind of get that all ready. Patty was like super, super serious uh, to make sure that no lights were going to reflect off of our face. So I couldn't bring my laptop to try to record any noises. You had to make sure your flash was off. I mean, this was like a super, super big deal because we had a roost of cranes right in front of us in this blind. So we go to the heated room, you get everything ready to go. You get your gear, you try to be quiet. It is like you guys super, super quiet. You do not want to spook these cranes. You open a door and walk out to the actual blind, which is covered, which I have to say, the blinds are covered, they're nice, they're easily accessible by, I would say, people of all ages. And it, it, it's nice they're covered, the reason why is because Nebraska, you also get snow, you get rain, you have the wind, it was super nice. It was still cold, but it was really nice. We go into the blind, you're able to look out through the windows, we were able to socially distance the blind. I, you know, it was funny, when they said we're going to a blind, I was thinking like a tiny little duck blind, not that I've ever really been in a duck blind, but you know what I mean? Like a tiny little straw duck blind where you squeeze people in what duck hunters use. No, this was a giant blind. I would say the blind was at least, I'm trying to think of my alligator pool and how big that is, at least 40, 60 feet. I don't know. It was, it was a pretty big blind and you were able to look out and see the little silhouettes of the Sandhill Cranes out on the Platte River. It was absolutely incredible. Um, something I really enjoyed as we got there, Patty told us all to close our eyes, take a breath, and just take in the moment and just hear the cranes. It it was something out of this world. It felt, it was almost like, man, I, it, it made me so happy that we're still in a world that, you know, even though we're all fast paced, we're always on our phones, we're doing this, we're doing that, we still have something like this to go to. It, it truly was incredible. So what you do is you're there before sunrise and you wait for the cranes and all you want is to just capture these cranes with the beautiful sunrise in the background. What the cranes will do once it starts getting light out, once the sun starts rising, is they will take off to go feast during the day, to go find a farmer's field, to go find a wetland to eat. So that is why people are there. Sunrise is a fantastic, fantastic viewing. So we're there. I'm there with my buddy Jared, the Forbes writer. Another guy named Bob joined us. He was from the Autobahn. Like my wife and I are there. I am so excited. I, you know, we're being super, super quiet. We have a literally a flock of several hundred sandhill cranes right in front of us. And then off to my left, we have another massive flock. I mean, we're looking out at the Platte River. As I'm looking out, it's getting lighter. I see an otter. Like this sounds so made up, but it's true. Like we see an otter swim past them. It's just the moment cannot be more perfect. So I can't believe I'm telling you this, but I have to tell you this. So we're there, um, you know, once again, Patty's going back and forth to make sure like, hey, is everyone, you know, is everyone okay? Like, does everyone have their equipment? Everyone is just preparing for this magical moment. So Patty comes up to me and she says, hey, and you know, she like whispers, obviously we do not want to startle the cranes. She goes, hey, right now would be a really good time to record and get audio of the cranes. Now, mind you, I was like so scared to like hardly move in front of the cranes. I remember like I was like a statue. I was like, I cannot disturb these cranes. And I was like, oh yeah, like, okay, I should probably do that. Like the reason why I'm here is to capture this experience for my audience, for my social media and for the animals to the max podcast. Like for that audio you just heard, I went to Nebraska to share that with you. So I'm like, okay, I have to do that. Right. So 
I take out my phone, which mind you, I had already turned off the flash and everything. And I thought, you know what? I think I'll get a video, obviously, to record the audio and then I'll piece it together. I'll put it for the podcast. I turned on the video and for a split second, the flash went off on my phone, like for a split second. And all of a sudden, the cranes in front of us took off. I am like you guys, it was like a split second. I am like my heart sank. The, the, the cranes took off. Patty runs over and was like, Oh my gosh, who had a flash? Like I felt like being yelled. I mean, I, I felt like I was in the principal's office. I felt like the lowest person on earth. I was like, Oh my God, the cranes right in front of us just took off. I ruined everything. You guys, it was insane. And by the way, don't ever do what I just did. And it was like, I turned off the flash on my camera. Apparently you have to do that separate on the video. Long story short, do not do what I did. And I'm telling you the story because I just want you guys to know. Thank goodness there was another flock of cranes right next to us on the left, right? So I'm sitting here. I am feeling like the lowest person on the earth. Like, oh my God, I just startled these cranes. And by the way, the cranes took off, right? Circled back and then landed back by the other cranes on the left. So it's not like I spooked the whole river, but the ones right in front of us took off. I felt you guys, I just, oh my God, I felt like my heart sank and I was like, what am I going to do? Anyway, I, I tried to prevent it and it just, that flash went off. I mean, I'm telling you just for a split second, it spooked them. So that's why I'm telling you the cranes are spooked easy, right? So I'm over here and I'm thinking like, oh my God, I've ruined it for everybody. I'm, you know, um, you know, Bob from the Autobahn who's been photographing, you know, birds for years. He's there. The Forbes writer is there. And I'm just sitting there thinking like, oh my God, this is awful. I've ruined it because the birds are right there. Well, a few minutes later, Bob tries to get his equipment out and his flash goes off. And I, Patty runs over and was like, who has the flash? What's going on? And anyway, Bob's trying to turn his flash off. Luckily, none of the birds <laughs> to the left were spooked. But it, I'm not going to lie, it made me feel so much better. I was like, okay, thank God I'm not the only person here in this blind having this problem. I mean, it, it happens. The iPhones, for some reason, you turn the flash off, sometimes it will still turn on. So... I'm telling you this to prevent um, what happened to me, but secretly I was so happy that Bob did it. I mean, some guy with so many years of experience, you know, birding and his flash went off still. I was like, thank God for Bob. It wasn't just me. Long story short, the sun rose and the cranes all started to take off because it was, be it was beginning to get light. And the view was amazing. The sounds just reverberated almost like a stadium full of people in a football stadium. It, it was something that I, it, it's hard to put in words. My jaw just dropped. It was just, it was just magnificent. And I was able to get some footage. I put a video up on my TikTok, go check that out. And also on my reels, I'm also going to work on a YouTube video that will accompany this whole experience. So make sure if, if YouTube is your preferred platform, which I encourage you to check us out, go ahead and check it out. You know, no matter, you know, how many videos you shoot or how much audio you, you capture, there's nothing like being there in person. And I just have to say that it was just like my mouth literally dropped. It was just one of those, like, I just can't believe I'm here. It was a pinch myself moment and something that I'll always remember. I mean, it was an amazing wildlife encounter to see all these cranes, thousands upon thousands just take off.
Once again, you guys, it's something you have to experience. And it is something, you know, for any wildlife person, I feel like if you had super young kids, definitely wait because once again, you have to be quiet. But I feel like maybe wait until they're, I don't know, maybe eight or nine, 10, just to really appreciate the sheer beauty of this, of just seeing all these birds take to the sky. It was absolutely incredible. Once again, that is the Rose Sanctuary. You can visit the center and see the blinds and, you know, see some of the cranes because they're still out there on the river during the day. There's not as many of them, but you can still see them and they're open from 10 to 2 p.m. to reserve a guide and to reserve a blind in the morning, which is something you definitely need to do. You do have to contact the Rose Sanctuary. I will include the links in the show notes. With that said, we were able to check out the Rose Sanctuary for that sunrise viewing. We were able to also, you know, depart the Rose Sanctuary and see the cranes out in the fields. It was, you guys, it was just magnificent. I mean, just to see all these birds, people were stopping along the way. One thing I do want to know is make sure that you do stay in your vehicle at all times. Uh, use your vehicle as a blind. If you get out of your vehicle, it will spook the cranes. Trust me, these are skittish creatures. Remember, they're hunted nine months out of the year. They don't like people. They don't like noises. They don't like us. So stay in your vehicle and use that as a blind. And that way, you will capture the best photos. Some other things we're able to do that day, we're able to go to the Fort Kearney hike and bike trail bridge. That was amazing. It was made out of an old railroad track over the Platte River. And it was cool to cross it. I would highly recommend doing this because you could literally see how shallow the Platte River is. I mean, I'm from Idaho. I live on the Snake River. And it's crazy that this river, like it averages around six inches deep. It used to be a mile wide and it averages six inches deep. That's why these cranes like it so much. So super shallow river. Definitely don't do any diving, but observe the Platte River. Other things we were able to do that afternoon was check out the Mona. Okay, so the Mona stands for the Museum of Nebraska Art. Okay, I'm not going to lie. Uh, when I go to a place, I'm an animal person. I like to check out the local nature spots. I'll always see if the place has a reputable zoo I could visit. The art museums are not a place I flock to. Do you guys like that? Pun intended. Flock to. Long story short, we went to the Mona and I was blown away. It was a beautiful collection of Nebraska art from local artists. They really highlight the state and we were guided and it was amazing. I'm not going to lie. We were able to see beautiful photos. We were able to see sculptures. Like I was able to see the Sandhill Crane sculpture that was made out of sheep's wool. That's pretty cool. I was, I was really impressed with this art gallery and they switch exhibits throughout the year and it's free. So I encourage you, if you do visit Kearney, if you are an art fanatic, check out the Mona, the Museum of Nebraska Art. After our festivities in Kearney, that afternoon we headed to the Crane Trust in Wood River, Nebraska. It was around, if I'm remembering right, around a 45 minute drive from Kearney towards Omaha, so, so headed east. And honestly, I had no idea what to expect 
you know, with the crane trust, it was just on our itinerary. I was really excited, you know, assuming of course we would see cranes as we got off the exit to the crane trust in Wood River, Nebraska, you get off the exit and there is a beautiful interpretive center, a place where guests can get off the freeway and they're able to view the cranes through blinds. There's, you know, learn about some of the other animals in the ecosystem. We actually passed the interpretive center and I was thinking, oh man, I hope, you know, my GPS is taking me to the right place. And instead, this GPS took us down some back roads towards the Crane Trust headquarters. So just imagine Nebraska. I mean, I'm talking open land, cornfields, a few trees scattered here and there. It was just, you know, kind of cloudy skies. It just, I don't know, just complete Midwest fill, of course. I mean, you know, considering we are in the middle of the United States, we enter a gate to the Crane Trust headquarters. And as we pass through the private gate, we enter a private road and we are instantly on the Crane Trust property. And it is absolutely beautiful. I knew we were on the Crane Trust property because out in the distance, I could see these tiny little brown blobs everywhere. And I knew prior that the Crane Trust had bison, which I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely love bison. So we saw the bison out in the distance and we just went down this long lane and you know there was a beautiful lake to our right. It just was absolutely gorgeous and we show up to the Crane Trust headquarters, a beautiful building and there are tiny little cottages around the property and that is where Sam, my wife and I were going to stay and you guys we just it was fantastic. It was like we walked into this scientists, biologists, community of just people. And the atmosphere was amazing. So first and foremost, we literally, you know, I walked in, everyone was so incredibly welcoming. I've never really been, there's only one other place I've been that kind of reminds me of the Crane Trust. And that was the El Samir Student Study Center in Kenya on Lake Navasha, where we would stay in college. When we went to Africa, we'd stay in this community of other scientists and we would stay and, you know, uh, survey fish eagles. It really had that vibe. Everyone was so warm and welcoming. And since it was late afternoon, we were able to check into our cottage before we were going to go off to view the cranes in the evening. And I'll tell you what, we walked into our cottage and they do it right. It's a beautiful cottage. All of this has been funded by donations from fellow crane and bird enthusiasts. They just do it right. They had a, it was just beautiful. You walk in, there is a central living area. There's a kitchen. They had a Keurig. They had a bottle of wine. They had snacks, which were my favorite. They had Oreos. So I saw Oreos and I was like, okay, I love this place. It was great. And then you look out the window of your cottage and there are bison in the distance. Like I'm not making this up. It was like, I felt like I was on Little House of the Prairie. It was just beautiful. So once we got settled, we were able to go back into the Crane Trust main headquarters. And, you know, we were there, you know, just meeting everyone. I have to give a shout out to the staff. The staff was so welcoming. And I'm not just saying this because I know they're going to listen to the show. Well, I mean, I hope they listen to the show anyway, but I'm not just saying this, but the staff was great. I just want to give a shout out to Bryce, the president who was so welcoming to Sandy, the community coordinator to Jacob, the bison coordinator to Andy, to Tim, you guys, it just it was such a good time. I also want to give a shout out to Brad with the Grand Island Tourism Bureau. You guys, it was just, everyone was so welcoming 
and so passionate about what they do. So we were able to talk, mingle amongst ourselves. There was a pond right out back. I was able to chat with the scientist. Her name is Jenna, and she just wrote a paper about river otters. And I was able to chat to her about the river otters who has a den right on their property. It was so fascinating. Side note, we're going to have Jenna on the podcast to talk about river otters because I found them so fascinating and I learned so much from her. So stay tuned for that interview. So anyway, we just kind of mingled with everyone with the scientists. We were waiting for sunset, which was around 745 at night. In between then, we were able to enjoy a family style dinner at the Crane Trust. And once again, I the only thing I could compare this to was being in Africa when I stayed at that El Samir Study Center. And it was just like everyone had dinner together. Of course, we were all socially distance we were all they had you know tables spread out so only a few to a table but it was so homey it just you guys Kathy the gal who took care of us it was so homey we had the best stew I've ever had I mean I'm not making it up the best stew we had rolls butter they also had a vegetarian lasagna and at first I was like oh my gosh I don't like vegetables maybe I won't like this no it literally was just like a cheese lasagna and it was fantastic. I may have had one or two slices of lasagna. I hope that wasn't rude. Anyway, the food was fantastic. They had drinks. I mean, I'm a huge sparkling water person, so they had a huge like stocked up fridge of LaCroix, Diet Coke, regular Coke. They had beer on tap. I don't drink alcohol, but they had, you know, beer on tap for people who do. They had wine. My wife had a glass of wine. It just I can't get over how welcoming and how great this dinner was. Anyway, we had a great meal and then we headed out to go check out the bison on the property and learn more about the bison. And, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, back in the day, there were millions and millions of bison that used to roam all throughout the continental United States, you know, in the grasslands. They were the animals that really maintained the grasslands. They were able to keep the vegetation down. They were able to stir up the soil as the herds moved. I mean, animals just depended on these bison and then humans completely wiped them out to the point where there were only like 24 individuals left and they almost went extinct. So, Long story short, the bison have made a comeback and on the property at the Crane Trust, they want to replicate what life was like hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. So they have a herd of 116 bison that are there on their 1,200 acres and they are free-ranging bison that are there to maintain the grounds, to eat the vegetation to where it doesn't become completely overwhelming to stir up the ground. And it's amazing because the bison really restored this critical habitat that not only helps the sandhill cranes, but other animals. And I'm a sucker for bison. If you listen to the show, you'll know I was in Yellowstone in September. So I felt like I was like a bison pro. I was like, heck yeah, let's go check out some bison. And we went out there and it was great. We went out there with Jake and with Josh and, you know, the Crane Trust staff. And we got to learn about them. We just, you know, rode in the truck. And the bison were actually, they were pretty friendly. We actually stopped the truck. We were able to get out. I wanted to film for the YouTube video, maybe get some videos for TikTok. And one bison in particular came up. And it was funny because Jake and Josh looked at each other and they were like, oh, no. Oh, here comes Patty. 
And I was like, wait a second, you guys did not tell me that you had a bison named Patty. What? So anyway, we met Patty. She's almost three years old and the staff at the Crane Trust actually rescued her. So her mom, Patty's mom, gave birth to twins. And when bison give birth to twins, they usually will only take care of one of the bison calves and the other one is usually starves and is left to die. Well, of course, they didn't want that to happen. So they took Patty in, they bottle raised her. And now Patty thinks that Jake is her mom, which is so funny. So Patty comes up, she's super friendly. I mean, she's massive though, has these massive horns. And it's funny because Jake was telling me like Patty's like almost too friendly for her own good. And they frown upon Patty coming up because they don't want to promote people touching bison. They don't want people to see how friendly Patty is because they still can be dangerous. Like I remember I posted a video on my TikTok and someone was like, well, how is she still dangerous? I, I, I don't get it. She looks so friendly. And it's because they're so powerful and the way Patty would come up and greet Jake, she would greet him with those horns and kind of shake her head. And I'll tell you what, there was a point where I was like, okay, I think I'm good for like good with Patty. Patty started approaching me. You know, I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to get in the back of the truck. So my wife and I actually jumped in the back of the truck just for safety, just to kind of keep our distance because bison are powerful animals. And anyway, so they just need to be treated with respect, but it was awesome being able to meet Patty and it was just so cool to see how this herd just maintains this area and how it just helps all the different species that come and live at the Crane Trust. So I was really, really impressed. So our next activity, we went to go do an evening crane viewing. The Crane Trust staff, they all keep in touch with each other and they all will kind of notify each other where the cranes are in any particular location. They have several blinds throughout the property, one literally right outside the headquarters. What happened though is Nebraska, when we visited, had experienced a bunch of rain. So it had rained so much when we were there, the cranes decided that it was actually too much water. The area was too deep for them to roost so they actually preferred to venture out further into cornfields but normally the cranes you know prefer the Platte River they prefer the 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 wetlands with shallow water their preference is around six inches but it was just it was just too full because of the rain so we actually went out and had to search for the cranes you guys, the experience was awesome. We got in the back of the truck. We had Jake driving. Jenna, the river otter biologist, was there as well. And we were just out looking for cranes. We were looking up at the skies. They were keeping in contact with other people at the Crane Trust. The Crane Trust has these amazing cameras all throughout the Platte River. So they're able to zoom in and zoom out to where they're able to find the cranes. It was the back roads. The sky was starting, you know, to turn, you know, dark bluish, purple and you could start seeing the pink and orange hues and it just was this amazing back road experience searching for cranes. And I'm not trying to sound cheesy, but it was just like, it felt like I was living some country song. And my wife's from Michigan, so it, it felt all too familiar for her. It was like being on a back road in Michigan. It truly was incredible. We found a spot and off just an old dirt road and we just stopped and we thought, you know what? We're just going to stop and view the cranes from a distance. And as we stopped on this back road, we parked the truck, we got our cameras out. We were looking out at a field that had been flooded. And that's where some of the cranes, we saw these little dark gray black blobs. And that's how you can tell where the cranes are. And we saw them starting to land and we just sat there. 
and started taking photos using the binoculars. Some other people stopped as well. People got out their really, really fancy cameras. I was there with my little Nikon vlog camera, you know, trying to film the best I could. We just watched the sunset and it was one of the most beautiful sunsets I've ever seen in my life. It just, it was, it was spectacular. And I'm from Idaho. So I thought like, hey, Idaho is home to the best sunsets. But I'll tell you what, Nebraska and Idaho are neck and neck for me. It was just beautiful. I mean, just a picture. I mean, the sky was bright pink and then orange and then purples and the hues and then the cranes flying into the sky and then landing and you have all the noise. And it was witnessing this amazing migration that has been going on for millions of years. And the fact that it's still happening in 2021 with everything, with an overpopulated world, with resources being you know competed for, it's just incredible. And we watched the cranes and right there, that experience was my favorite viewing experience of the cranes. I prefer the evening viewings. I don't know. I mean, the morning viewings and the blinds are great but there's something about the night when the night's starting to end when the cranes land when they're getting ready to roost for the night that i really 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 enjoy as it started to become dusk we headed back to the crane trust and this is what i love so much we went back to their headquarters and they had dessert so they had cheesecake and they had brownies and ice cream you guys it was like oh my goodness it was like they spoke to my soul like these people did it right and we went back we all had cheesecake and brownies and ice cream and i had my diet cokes and lacroix and people had beers and we just talked about the day and the experience and we also sat and watched this awesome documentary that the crane trust was involved in and looked at the work that bryce and sandy and josh and tim and andy and jake and all these people involved these passionate people involved and we just watched this clip of what they're doing to help restore the habitat to help the cranes and other animals it was truly remarkable and i would i just it, it really touched me to see people making a difference and it, it means so much and you know the cranes are only there for a few weeks out of the year so a lot of people wonder like well what does the crane trust like what do you guys do when it's not March and April when the cranes aren't here and there's a lot to do. They are out there 24 seven trying to maintain their habitat. You know, the Platte River isn't what it used to be because of several dams. I mean, there's over 20 dams on the Platte River. They literally have to recreate the environment for the cranes to attract them because if the environment is not suitable for the cranes, they'll leave and they'll never come back. And they spend days and months clearing vegetation it kind of sounds like an oxymoron because you'll see footage of bryce for instance and this big excavator and he's literally tearing down trees and you wonder like man why are you tearing down trees like don't we love trees Yes, of course we love trees, but the trees aren't supposed to be there. This is an open grassland. This river is supposed to be flowing without trees and without the large vegetation. What happens if when you get so much thick vegetation, the it, they start to begin developing islands and then the Platte River starts dividing. It then becomes unsuitable habitat for the crane. So to see them working firsthand in the field and making a difference, I just, I was so impressed. I was so impressed with the crane trust. We woke up early, early the next morning, which by the way, I do have to say something. This is for early birds, <laughs> pun intended, right? Please be prepared to wake up early. Be prepared to have your coffee ready. I would suggest having all your clothes ready to go so you could just wake up 
grab your, you know, coffee and get out of bed and go. Cause that's what we did. I mean, in the morning you have to get up super early. I think we were up at like five 30 in the morning, 6am was our meeting time. And we went out, we jumped in the back of their vehicle. We went out to go have a morning experience to go check out the cranes and it was so cool. I mean, we're out there in the morning with our coffee. We went to this large cornfield where we parked the car and jumped in a UTV. In the UTV, we had Brad, who of course was from the Grand Island Tourism Bureau. And we also had Cheryl, who is a famous photographer. I mean, Cheryl was awesome. Anyway, they uh, we hopped in the UTV with them and we headed out to go to the Platte River to view the cranes. We parked the UTV at a far enough distance and walked using our red lights and made it to one of the blinds along the Platte River. And we sat there and literally watched the cranes wake up. And the experience was incredible. As you know, with my first experience the day prior with my flash going off, I was like terrified to even touch any of my devices. So I literally just sat and took in the moment. And it was amazing. It was just to hear the birds. And as the sun starts to rise, you see the crane starting to wake up. You can hear them, just their sounds just echoing throughout the Platte River. It just, it was just nature at its best. The crane started to dance for each other. They do these amazing dances because they're the young ones, the two to three year olds are trying to find mates. So you see these cranes doing these ridiculous dances. It honestly reminded me trying to dance awkwardly in front of my wife the first time we met. Like, it just didn't work out. I'm not a good dancer. But it was so cool to see them do this. And Bryce gave me a great piece of advice because we were looking at around 25,000 cranes. That's how many cranes were in front of us. And Bryce told me, hey, focus in on just one and just watch one's behavior. And that was a great piece of advice because, you know, honestly, it can get a little overwhelming and it was great to just be like, okay, I'm just going to focus on Fred right here and I'll focus on Fred the Sandhill Crane. And that was awesome. I, you know, we stayed in that blind for a few hours. Cheryl, the famous photographer, which I have to give Cheryl a shout out because Cheryl was awesome. She brought the biggest camera I've ever seen. Like I've seen big cameras. I've seen like big paparazzi cameras. Like I've seen big cameras of paparazzi trying to take photos of Jennifer Lopez. I swear to God, I've seen them. Cheryl had a bigger camera than that. It was huge. And I want to give a shout out to Cheryl's organization, Opperman Photographics. She leads expeditions around the world and actually turns out that she goes to Antarctica and she asked if I'd ever want to go and I said Cheryl you are speaking my language yeah we exchanged emails because I'm definitely going to go to Antarctica with Cheryl anyway long story short she was taking fantastic photos but even if you don't have a great camera you could still get good photos with any decent camera you can still get photos with your iPhone I was doing that I had my little vlog camera I was going to town taking photos once the sun started to rise and once it wasn't so dark so we didn't spook the cranes a great experience one piece of advice i had three cups of coffee before we entered the blind by hour two i was about to pee my pants and i was like hey you guys i am so sorry but can i please go outside can i step out of the blind and it was great i was able to step out of the blind i was able to go outside which is awesome i mean you guys i'm a country boy so i like to pee outside anyway i was able to go to the bathroom outside and not startle the cranes the way they had the blind set up with these giant straw bales um you know, hiding us and concealing us was really nice. So I would not do what I did. Uh, definitely maybe only have one cup of coffee so you don't have to go to the bathroom because that could be uncomfortable. Other than that, we were prepared. We were bundled up, had our hand warmers, our gear. It was a great experience. And it just, 
Oh, it was just, you know, it was just one of those amazing wildlife encounters that someone has to do at the end of their lives or not at the end of their lives. Heck, why don't you go now? I think it's something you need to put up on your wildlife bucket list for any wildlife lover. It's one of the last great animal migrations and I could not highly recommend the Crane Trust enough. Like, you guys, I'm going to put the links in the show notes. You have to schedule it through them because to stay in the cottages, it's all private. So you have to send them a private message. But when you stay there, you help support this fantastic organization and you help support and conserve all of the species of animals, not just the cranes, but everything down from the little tiny frogs all the way up to the majestic whooping cranes, which are sometimes seen, but very rarely seen. I mean, you guys, it just helps save all these animals. So definitely go check out the Crane Trust. I could not highly recommend it enough. They were so warm, so welcoming. And it's honestly, it's being able to meet people who are making a difference, which makes me so happy. I was able to film some TikTok videos. We were able to go live and we had thousands of people tune in and it was amazing. And I remember everyone was just kind of like shocked. Like we had people from Africa, from Sweden, from Australia, all around the world, you know, Belgium tuning in to check out whether it was Patty the Bison or the Cranes, it was really, really neat to spread the word. So I would highly, highly recommend it. The next day, and once again, we were on a super tight schedule, we took off and we took off back towards Omaha and we were able to stop at one last stop and that was the Fontenelle Forest. And I want to give a shout out to the Fontenelle Forest team. They have an amazing raptor recovery program. And I want to give a shout out to Denise Lewis. She is uh, the director of the raptor team. I want to give a shout out to Dana, who's in charge of PR, and to Patrick, who gave me a behind the scenes tour of the reptiles. You guys, it was such a good time. We were able to witness rehabilitated birds from bald eagles to owls to hawks. I even saw osprey, which I've never seen osprey in a rescue rehabilitation center, which was interesting. And I, I was fascinated because, I mean, I've seen so many red-tailed hawks. I've seen so many owls. I've seen bald eagles, but I've never seen osprey. And I was talking to Denise and she was actually telling me that osprey are really timid birds and they're kind of a pain in the butt to keep under human care. And of course, these were rescue and rehabilitated osprey. I think one of them was shot illegally. It's just so sad what people do. But they're trying to, you know, give these animals the best home. And they have a beautiful facility. I was also able to meet Sundance, their turkey vulture. We went live on uh, my TikTok. And once again, people around the world were looking at this turkey vulture named Sundance. And I'm a huge vulture lover because I feel like vultures get such a bad rap. And we were able to go live and talk to people and talk to them why vultures are so good because, you know, they're nature's cleanup crew. And it was funny. We were, they were holding Sundance. One of the handlers was, I think her name was Kathy. I'm so sorry if I'm messing that up. But anyway, she was holding Sundance and we were talking about what they do for a defense mechanism and the turkey vultures will actually vomit if they feel threatened or if they want to get away. And as she is saying this, uh, Sundance just lets out a little green pile of vomit and it almost landed on my shoe. Yeah, that happened during the live. Should I say this might be a good plug to follow me on TikTok? I don't know. Anyway, I just want to give a shout out to the Fontenelle Forest. It is awesome. It is in Omaha and you can visit that. They have, I mean, a beautiful forest you can walk through. They have zip lines and the separate area is their raptor recovery program. And you can learn all about the amazing stuff people do. I have to say throughout the whole Nebraska trip, what we were so impressed by were all the friendly people and how passionate everyone was. 
Like everyone was so passionate about their jobs. They were proud to be from Nebraska. They were proud to share their wildlife. And I remember, you know, back at the crane trust talking to Jenna and Jake and she was talking because I, I point blank asked them like, Hey, do you guys like living in Nebraska? Cause Jenna was from Michigan, like my wife. And she said, she absolutely loved it. She said, this area is so biodiverse and it's true. I mean, as she's telling me that we have cranes in the sky, we have snow geese, we have ducks, we have uh, chorus frogs starting to sing. Uh, it just, it's true. It's so biodiverse. It's a beautiful piece of country. I feel like that's often overlooked. So next time, you want to go and experience wildlife, you want to go somewhere new, somewhere a lot of people don't really know about, I would highly, highly recommend visiting Nebraska. Check it out. I'll include the links in the show notes, especially if you're looking for something really inexpensive. I mean, I know all of us want to go to Africa and witness the migration. Right now, it's not that practical with the pandemic going on. And, you know, people are a little nervous about travel. Heading out to Nebraska, there's plenty of space. And I'll tell you what, but you'll be able to witness one of the greatest animal migrations on earth. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to my recap of the special edition podcast of my experience covering the great Sandhill Crane migration. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, feel free to send me an email. My email is info at corbettmaxi.com. You can also check us out on TikTok. TikTok is really growing for me. I think we're nearing almost 300,000 people who have started to follow along the page, which is amazing. I go live almost every day. So I encourage you to check out TikTok. Also check out my YouTube channel. I will include the video link. So to give you guys a visual of the whole experience, once again, I want to give a big thank you to the Nebraska tourism team for setting this up for everyone involved from everyone from the Rose Sanctuary, from Patty to Roger, to the Crane Trust and all their amazing staff, to Denise and her team over at the Fontenelle Forest. Thank you for taking the time to spend it with us, to share your animals with us, to share the work you do. We we appreciate it so much, and I'm hoping that it draws some people, you know, curious, like-minded wildlife people to your facilities. I'm hoping that it inspires people to take the trip and witness the great Sandhill Cray migration. With that said, I will talk to you next week. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.